tell you something. New York is the greatest fucking city in the world. Hi, John. Hi, John. It's been a while. It's been a while. As Dane would say. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode, and um, I think we found the perfect occasion to record another one, because what started out as kind of a fun idea for this podcast has become, I think, something of a support group. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this might be the last episode of Oh, John, because um, during... Uh, the hour and 40 minutes we spent watching uh, this thing. This thing, this film, if you will. John leaned over to me and said, this movie is really testing our friendship. <laughs> and the movie that we're talking about is the film Gotti, which if you're wondering why anyone would think Gotti would be a good subject to talk about, given that Gotti was a film when it came out last year, it bore the distinction... <laughs> It earned the distinction of a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, now that does not mean that it is 0% good, necessarily. It just means no. that 0% of all the people that reviewed the movie thought, this is a movie I'm going to give a positive review to. And um, it started out as sort of a joke, because like, at the time, John, I was a MoviePass subscriber. Yes. And I was getting an email like every day, like... The critics don't know anything. Go see Gotti. <laughs> Yo. And then... Yes, it was. It was on the MoviePass app. I feel like we need to give people some context because we're so full of thoughts right now. We, <laughs> we are. We're so full of thoughts. But the film is Gotti, and it is about a guy named John Gotti, and it is starring an actor named John Travolta. So that, that pileup of John's just made it seem like it was the perfect subject for this <laughs> yeah, podcast, it's... Oh, It's John, where we try to at least pretend that we're going to <laughs> Talk about John stick to stuff. subjects right, that, are, that are of interest to John's and people that love John's. And um, yeah, so, it's, and like, so we got bombarded with ads for this movie, and John uh, messaged me one day and said, you know what would be fun? I <laughs> 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 said, what, if... When the movie Gotti comes out, we watch it and do a podcast about it. <laughs> and I said, all right, but I'm paying for it. It was the height of MoviePass, where you and I both had this feeling of, I can go see any movie I want, and I don't have to pay for it, because I'm already covered. Yes. Um, but we did still manage to see this movie as free as possible. Yes, I, I got it from... Uh, the local library. Yes, we waited until it was at the library. We didn't wait for streaming. We waited for library. Uh, that seemed like the best way to legally watch it for free. But you're right. MoviePass was really hyping this film because, as it turned out, MoviePass <laughs> bought up part of the distribution deal for this movie. So they had a vested interest. Yes. 40% of the movie's ticket sales, when Gotti was in theaters, were bought through MoviePass, which means for that chunk of change, MoviePass was paying was buying the tickets to its own movie that they were distributing. Yes. And it's still, I don't know that it moved the needle much in terms of sales. This was not a popular film. I mean, so many thoughts. Well, my first thought is, like, as I was watching this uh, thing, John Travolta used to be legitimately... The number one box office draw in this country. He even had like a resurgence 
where everybody yes. was in love with him and was reminded of what a good actor he is. Pulp Fiction is in my top five mm-hmm. because of I am a white male. <laughs> um, Born between the years of uh, yeah. you know, 1970 and 1990. Yes, and you know, I mean, it is in wheelhouse, but you know, yeah. he does have... A thing. Yes. And last year he was, or a couple years ago, I guess, he was in The People vs. O.J. Simpson, and he played Ron Shapiro. Robert Shapiro. Robert Shapiro, rather. And he um, he chewed the heck out of the scenery, and I was reminded, oh yeah, that's why John Travolta was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh cool, he's going to be a character actor now. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that John Travolta is a talented actor, and he's got some kind of charm and something going for him that... Star for a reason, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a magnetism. Gotti is a kind of vanity dream project for him that he kept pursuing through various directorial change-ups. I don't know if you read into this at all. I did. This was a film that had, had been... They, they were trying to get this movie it made. It had been in the hopper forever. Since yeah, since like about I, 2011 or so. Even I remember even longer than that, maybe like 2008-ish maybe? I know that Barry Levinson at one time was intended to direct it. Yeah. That was when Al Pacino was supposed to co-star. Yep. This movie feels like a, a very big, like you can tell that when they lost the, the Barry Levinson <laughs> and the Al Pacino factor, they, they also somewhere in there lost Joe Pesci, who was originally going to play uh, the character Angelo Ruggiero. You've lost Levinson, you've lost Pacino, <laughs> you've lost Pesci. What is left? Only E from Entourage to step in and save the day by directing this film. <laughs> and Kelly Preston. Yes. Travolta's real life wife. And. Noted character actor Stacy Keach, who is good in everything except for this. Except for this. And <laughs> another character actor who I like, uh, uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, actually came in to replace Pesci as Angelo Ruggiero, and he too was kind of wasted on this, didn't have a lot to do. The, the whole time, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I kept asking, wait, who is that guy again? Right. You know, like, is. You know, with a good mafia picture, you know them all. Like in Goodfellas, you know them. Tommy and Henry and... Jimmy. Jimmy and Paulie and yeah. Tootie. And this movie actually was made for $10 million, which is low <laughs> for a sort of... What it's trying to be is this kind of lush historical epic. I can see what John Travolta thought he was getting out of playing this part, but by the time cameras rolled, I just think... There's so much about this movie that feels out of step with today, both in terms of its depictions of masculinity and its very cliched view of the mob that doesn't really add anything new to this conversation. You know, I've read a bunch of books about the mob and like the, the assassination of uh, Big Paul Castellano mm-hmm. is a major point in America's mob history. And it's glossed over here in like five minutes. Yeah. Like if you know anything about the history of this... By by v- virtue of watching like an A and E special exactly. on the Gambino crime with family, with Bill Curtis, you got more information from that, yes. and more character from that than you did from this. But anyway, I, I was hoping to find a, a summary of this, and this is the best that Wikipedia gives us, John. Okay, good. This film chronicles the three-decade reign of crime boss John Gotti and his rise as the head of the Gambino crime family in New York City, along with his son John Jr. and his loyal wife Victoria. So even Wikipedia is kind of saying, nobody cares enough about this movie to write the multi-paragraph description of it. 
Maybe we should write it. It says here, <laughs> this article needs an improved plot summary. Should well, we? <laughs> but see, I don't really know what happened. I was here for like an hour and a half. You mean nine hours somehow. But like, <laughs> it felt like we were here for a day or two together. And it was only 100 minutes. At one point, I got up the, <laughs> to get the DVD case. And you were like, oh, good. You thought of it first. And I said, are you checking for the runtime? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm all over it. Because, <laughs> like, both John and I are good friends. We get along well. We have a good rapport. Mm-hmm. But we're podcasting partners. This movie, it was a... We were like, why did we do this? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit like... I mean... Honestly, folks, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard every time John and I have gotten together to talk. So you've kind of heard our friendship growing. Yes. The film Gotti was was sort of a tough thing to throw <laughs> at our friendship at this point. This would be kind of like if you just started dating somebody yeah. and then like their parents died in a fire. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, well, how it. is this relationship really going to survive? That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, we said that's what we're saying. We don't know. So there's a lot at stake in this podcast, folks. Not just... Not just your enjoyment for the next hour or so, but our friendship, this podcast's future. We're, we're working stuff out. <laughs> yes, we are. Moment by moment, all right? I just want you to know, John, um, I don't blame you for this movie. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't blame you either. We went into this thinking, it's probably not going to be that bad. I mean, it's, it'll be bad, but it won't be like... You know what it was? We were maybe expecting it not to be the greatest thing in the world, but I don't think we were expecting it to be incoherent. <laughs> exactly. like Utterly incoherent. Like jumping around in the timeline where you can tell based on John Travolta's hair, is it dyed all the way black and slicked back? Is it dyed with a little gray in it? Or is he bald and he's in prison? Because there's with like, cancer. Yes. There's For no of, reason. There's a lot of cancer in this movie. Oh, there's a lot of cancer in this movie. It's a big cancer movie. Um... John Travolta informs you that they took part of his tit. I got the trifecta. I got jaw, neck, and throat. They took my tit and they put it on my face. I only do one-arm push-ups because they took the whole chest muscle out. It's fucking butchers. My body betrayed me, John, but not my mind and not my heart. That'll never happen. I'm still here, John. I'm still motherfucking these guys every turn. Stacy Keach's character, just in the middle of a conversation, just holds his throat, I guess, and says, ah, this fucking cancer. And he, and he hadn't mentioned the cancer before. No. It's like, and within a scene, he's dead. He's dead. That's at the point in the movie where John Gotti, as played by John Travolta, is talking to Neil Delacroce, played by Stacy Keach. Beloved character actor. Thank God Wikipedia has a list of, mm-hmm. of the cast members and their character names, because otherwise I would not know. And, and by the way, guys, whenever they introduce somebody new, they, they make sure to highlight their name. That is an act of supreme lack of confidence in your storytelling, isn't it? If a character comes up on screen and you throw their name up on the screen, because that's like saying, we're not even going to try to give you context, folks. We don't even have the footage for this. And I still forgot their name. Yeah. Like, immediately. Sammy the Bull Gavano is like one of the most famous mobsters ever. We like see him, what, twice? I, I think we see him at a few points in the movie, but he was such a background actor looking guy. I mean, he was such an extra-ish yeah. guy. But um, 
there's tons of characters like that who have a more memorable name than they do character, or even if they got a recognizable character actor to play them, they don't have the screen time or the story behind it for you to really connect the dots and know who anybody is. That's the is. thing. Like, when you think about mob movies, you know, Godfather, Scarface, Goodfellas, Once Upon a Time in America, they're usually like three hours and they paint a broad picture on them beautiful canvas and like by the end you've just spent time with these people and you know what but this was like one hour and 40 minutes it was cursory it's strange and it felt it's long. strange to say that you that this movie needed to be longer because it was such torture for us <laughs> but it did need more time to maybe set up some of these characters and make us care or make us understand what the relationships were. He he gives a he makes a hit on some random guy mm-hmm. in a bar, and we know it. And then this was like, and we know it was 1973 because Smoke on the Water was playing. Yes. And, and I, by the way, John, I was just thinking about this. I think most of the budget of that 10 million dollars went to the music cues. There were a few recognizable songs in it, and I think you might be right. I think like you might be right. I think that's where the money went. But like that's how we know it's 1973 because we don't know any other way. Right. And um, yeah, he hits a random guy, and then boom, I'm a main guy in the mafia now. I think that we're supposed to care about the story and know enough about it, and think that those moments are iconic. You're watching this movie. And they're setting things up that they're going to pay off in the next few minutes. They're not really setting things up that they're going to pay off over the course of a sustained narrative because there is no sustained narrative. It really is like they took all these scenes of John Gotti, these moments, and they just threw them up in the air, and then they they just laid them into a line based on how they fell on the ground. I mean, like, but this is what I thought of immediately. Like, you've seen Godfather, of course. The scene where Michael and... Don Vito were in the garden, and he's like, you know, someone's going to come for you at my funeral. The next scene, he has a heart attack. The next scene is Don Vito's funeral, and you see there's, like, gravitas, and, like, this is a moment, Mm -hmm. and this is important. And it's not really... It's sort of telegraphed, but not really, because you really care about everyone involved. This was, like, E had seen The Godfather a bunch of times. (laughs) But didn't quite know how to pull it off, and yeah, we're supposed to have that feeling of, ooh, this is a big deal, but no, it really wasn't. Oh, E. Kevin Connolly. I mean, doesn't this movie feel like (laughs) it's the movie that E would direct, though? Like, doesn't it feel like if they did a, a, a plot on Entourage where E got to direct a movie and they showed like a scene from it. Don't you think it would be this version of the story of John Gotti? I mean... (laughs) All it was missing was a Vinny Chase cameo. Seriously. (laughs) We're not trying to be... We're both film guys. Yes. We both enjoy the art of film. And we're not snobs. No. We're not haters. I'm not being a hater. It's... There was nothing. The real difference between this and Godfather is Godfather was Godfather. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it came out... Uh, you know, 40-odd years ago, whereas this movie is coming now and it is still playing with the same tropes of The Godfather or of Goodfellas or even The Sopranos. Look, if any members of the Gotti family is listening... I actually thought about that. First of all, I'm already in a wheelchair, (laughs) so it might not be as much fun, you know, since I'm already halfway there. But also, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. I'm sure your dad was lovely. Don't hurt my cat. 
I'm sure that there's a good film to be made about the Gotti family. This was not it. This was not it. And like, everything was wrong. Yeah. Like, nothing went right. Yeah. It's a cheap looking film for what it is. <laughs> However, we didn't know exactly when we first started watching it. I was thinking, this looks like it was shot on video. And I had to ask you, uh, maybe 10 minutes in, it was like, John, I'm going to ask you a personal question. <laughs> and I don't want this to be awkward, but do you have motion smoothing turned on on your television? And you said, I don't really watch stuff on this TV that much, so I don't know. So I know if I had motion smoothing. I well, did. I'm only saying that because it was interesting that we managed to turn that setting off. The movie did look more cinematic at that point, but it's still, after a couple seconds, you said, it still looks cheap. No, it's really interesting. <laughs> We're saying for a movie that's trying to be such an epic, this movie is, is such a bungled job of being Look, that. it starts in 1973. It looks the same in 1985 which looks the same in 1992. And at one point, I swear to God, there's a 4th of July party in 1985 where they're dancing to EDM. Yeah, there's like relatively modern club music playing in the in the streets, and it's supposed to be 1985. Yeah. And you said, couldn't they have just thrown in a Duran Duran song? And then ironically, <laughs> there is a Duran Duran song later in the movie, but it's one of the 90s Duran Duran comeback songs that's designed to, to indicate a different era. Yes, and that made no sense to me. If you're going to use Duran Duran as a signpost of, of an era, use the 80s. And they also use the Pet Shop Boys, which... At least that's appropriate to 85. It was appropriate, but as I said, like I can't imagine guys like this... Knowing who the Pet Shop Boys are? You don't think John Gotti was a big Pet Shop Boys fan? I don't. (laughs) This movie really was in love with this very old-fashioned idea of being a man in manliness. Being a man in manliness, but also with like a... There was also, like, that very Italian, like, huggy-kissy, but, like, no emotion. It's, but, I mean, it's, the movie is not doing anything. Like, for instance, The Sopranos depicted a lot of the same kind of guys, but it was deconstructing them all exactly. along. You can get into a conversation about, are we as a culture too fascinated with anti-heroic monsters? Exactly. You know, like, have we done too many of that already? Too many shows, too many movies mm-hmm. that are fetishizing terrible people hey you love goodfellas right you love godfather right well this is like that except it's john travolta and they had five dollars now let's go (laughs) and the reason why goodfellas works is and it's one of the only times i've ever been i've ever think this works because full metal jacket does it too but not as well there's a clear cut point you know like the first half is a gauzy dream you know Mm mm-hmm Rags to riches, all that stuff. And then the moment they kill Billy Bats, the movie gets darker. Yeah. Like, and then Marty's basically saying, look, there's, there's nothing to glorify about these guys. They're bad. You know what I mean? Right. And this movie does not have that nuance. It doesn't have that subtext, which is weird because Travolta's not like a dumbass, is he? I mean, he wanted to make this movie. He really wanted to make this. So much so that he made it with E from Entourage. But I mean, like, A, that's a step down, obviously, from uh, Nick Cassavetes, who was originally going to do it, or from Barry Levinson, who was also going to do it. And there was someone else involved. um... Oh, Joe Johnston. Wow. that was, Was signed on at some point. So all these big name directors. Yes. 
I wonder what they were thinking all along. I mean, but, I know I know the premise was Gotti is a compelling enough figure. But he's really not that compelling. He's kind of everything we don't like about this archetype, and that's all he is. He doesn't do anything except wear double-breasted suits. He's dapper. They called him he's the dapper very Don. very dapper. He's the Teflon Don. He's Teflon Don. Nothing sticks to him. And by the way, <laughs> this is a really odd choice that I could not get over. I was thinking about... <laughs> they open... With John Travolta with the Brooklyn Bridge behind him. And he's like, hey, this city is the best fucking city in the world. You got to get to the top of it or something like that. (laughs) And at that point, we had the motion smoothing turned on. It literally Mm -hmm. looked like footage someone got on their camera of their friend standing in front of the bridge. Hey, check out this movie. Yeah, like, by the way, he's in full Vinnie Barbarino mode. Oh, he is. He dusted off that accent good. This life ends one of two ways, dead or in jail. I did both. So he does that, that whole spiel, and then they cut to footage of the real John Gotti. Oh, John, you are really getting in there. You're really getting in there. They indiscriminately, in the middle of this movie, whenever they need to go to news footage, they use file footage that uses real photos and real video of John Gotti. We didn't need to see the fictional John Gotti for two seconds and then footage of the real John Gotti over the credits for five minutes and then get back to the fictional John Gotti. At that point, you're already going, what is this? Yeah, I mean, most biopics, most biopics, they do that, but it's at the end. Yeah, they do it at the end. They do it at the end. You know, it's like, oh, you've been looking at Joaquin Phoenix's Johnny Cash for two mm-hmm. hours? Here's what Johnny Cash really looked like. Well, they often do that in a way as if to say, look at what a good job we did yeah. of casting these people. And sometimes it's like, oh boy, this this one actor, for whatever reason, we really didn't try to get a likeness of the person. Um, but what really damaged this movie is that they would do that and it seemed like it was designed to clear up things. Like they would let the, the file footage when they would cut to, say, a news report or something, it was as though that was there to put what had just happened into two sentences because you were hearing it from a newscaster. Crime boss, Jimmy Fingers has been gunned down in the street. You get more information from that little few seconds of filed news footage from the 70s or whatever than you do from the actual movie. And and then the, when it hurt it the worst was when throughout this movie we've been, we've been watching... Now, I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying these words because this is such a cliché. But, folks, you might be surprised to know that part of the story of John Gotti in this film is whether or not his son, John Gotti Jr., is going to become part of the life. And whether that's going to hurt the family. Will he be part of the life? I I was just wondering that the whole time. I was on pins and needles the whole time. You know what would be really cool would be if John Gotti is sort of okay with his son becoming part of the life, but Victoria Gotti, the mom, she's probably not okay with it. She doesn't want him to be That would be amazing. I don't know that I've ever seen that storyline. If he goes to see Angelo, it's not like John's a part of that life. Victoria, please don't start, okay? So we do see the story of John Gotti Jr., who they in the movie refer to as John A. Gotti, and I think that was supposed to be clear to me that that's not the same John Gotti as John Gotti. Because he was named after Angelo. There you go. I mean, that that's the kind of like major character development mm-hmm. we get. It's beautiful stuff, but. In the movie, that character of the son is played by, 
I think sort of the same dude bro the whole time, right? It's this kid yeah. with this amazingly douchey haircut that is like shaved on the sides and the back and then slicked back on the front. It's kind of like mine, but not as cool. It'd be if you were trying to slick yours back and pretend that you didn't have hair on the top of your head. That's exactly. what it would look like. Yeah, I mean, well, no, at one point, at one point, you know, they make a big deal about, hey, John Gotti Jr.'s going to military school. <laughs> and they cut to him, and I'm like, oh, well... I know this movie cost 50 bucks to make, but they couldn't hire a barber to give him a high and tight, you know? <laughs> if they did that, they wouldn't have him for the scene they needed to shoot later where he's supposed to have longer hair. I think that's really what was going on. Yeah, there. but he had the same... Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, how beautiful it would have been if they had tried to put a crew cut wig on him. <laughs> oh, my... But they could have done that because, like... Travolta had a wig. Oh, man. But, like, the most amazing thing was this guy would never age. And you realize we're seeing from when? From, like, the from 80s to, to now-ish? 1977 to now-ish. Yes, to the 20-aughts. To 2009. And, and, um, and he doesn't age. They throw a little salt and pepper in the hair, maybe. He goes from having the hair on the top slicked back to kind of more Spiky. like... Spiky? Spiky at some points, but also kind of a pompadour at certain points. Yeah. So he goes through a different, a few different versions of it. I think they told him you look a little older if you look worried. And so I think in the scenes where he was supposed to be older, he furrowed his brow a little bit. But then when they cut to the real footage of what the actual John Gotti Jr. looked like, he looked about as old as his dad. He was this heavyset guy who looked like prematurely old and you know paunchy. Well, and everything. I mean, his dad, he looked nothing like the kid. His dad was sixty-one. Mm-hmm. When he died, which was one of the only facts that, you know, the movie ever gave us. But just the fact that... But they looked, he'd say, he looks about 10 years younger. The real guy did. Yeah. He does not look that, like a boy no. next to an old guy, the way that John Gotti Jr. looks talking to John Gotti in this. But it just was then when they would cut to the real footage and then back to the movie, they really hurt their case because at this point... You were sort of buying that this kid had gotten older, even though it didn't seem like he had aged throughout this movie. But once you saw the real guy and they cut back, it's like, now I really can't buy this kid. He looks nothing like the real guy. Yeah. And I don't know what their best bet would have been, whether it would have been to have multiple actors playing the role or whether it would have been to have an older actor young down, maybe, for the earlier scenes well, and then, like and then let him play his age in the They did with Travolta. Like, in, the, yeah. in the early scenes, like, he's supposed to be, what, 30? And th- this is this is also really sad, John. You know, when you, think of mo- when you think about the mob, you think about New York, right? Mm-hmm. New York, it's a big deal. They want you to believe it's in New York. This movie was shot in Cincinnati. <laughs> so it's either going to be Canada or Cincinnati nowadays. You're not going to shoot in New York. This movie could not have afforded to do what they were trying to do and shoot in New York. Plus, they probably got some kind of tax breaks from, from the state of Ohio to do this. I mean, you really get the sense they were, they were stretching every dime to get this movie oh, made. It's the slimmest epic. There's this one part where it's a, a big mob wedding. And they cut, they mention- cut to a wide shot, and you said to me at one point, now, is this just an underpopulated giant scene where they didn't have enough extras to make this look like a huge wedding? Or is this visual language supposed to be that this is an underattended mob wedding? And I still don't know the Guys, context. it was... This wedding was at the Plaza Hotel. Which is the marquee... When you think of, like, New York hotels, you think of the, you think of the Plaza, and there was no one there. Like, look like what? There was, like, 50 people there? I, I would estimate that sounds about right. Yeah. and then, But they kept shooting it to make it look like mm-hmm. it wasn't the same 25 people. And that was the wedding of John Gotti Jr. to the girl that he met at the street party, right? <laughs> 
who he met her when she was 16 and then they go off together and then the next time we see her they get a soda and the next time we We see them they're getting married and it's unclear how many years later it is let's just hope that she is aged up (laughs) let's hope she's older than 16 we never even got a name no we never... Maybe we did, but it didn't stand out. Oh, by the way... Uh, you might be surprised to know that this mob movie is not that concerned with its female characters. John Gotti Jr. has two sisters. We never get their names. We don't get their names at all. Um, I think we only learn about the other kid because he got hit by a car and died. Yeah, little, yeah. little Frankie. Little, little Frankie, who... um. Whom he's scared of the dark. <laughs> it was so funny that there was a scene of him going to bed and, and John Gotti coming in and being like this half-assed dad, but I guess it was supposed to be heartwarming. He's like, yeah, I love you, kid. See you around. And, you know? Yeah, um, oh, we'll, be, we'll be right down the hall. And then they cut, and you and I both were like, what was that scene there for? And the very <laughs> next scene is that kid riding his bike up and down the street and like across traffic, and we see a car coming, and it's like, oh, because he's going <laughs> to die in this scene. That was the scene that was supposed to establish then, like, their love for their son. Well, the, but the other thing was like... They would cut to him running up and down the, running up and down the street, and then they would cut to him, and they would cut to like the gaudy women, cooking the cooking Sunday dinner because God knows that's all they're good for. That is the big scene for the sisters <laughs> is helping mom with dinner. And then they cut to the guy in his um in his car. Yeah, like, the guy driving the car, no. the kid in the street, the family. Where's Frankie? It's like, oh gosh, I wonder what's gonna happen right now. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen that many movies, John. <laughs> but um, I I just guessed that, and they didn't even have enough money to see the car hit the kid. Oh no, they really did not. Again, this movie makes you wish for things you don't want. And the bizarre thing was when they're in the hospital, the mother and the sisters are in the foreground and they're blurry, and then. John is like way down the hall and he's in focus. And then he does that Italian thing. I guess it's an Italian thing. I'm sorry, Italian friends. Where they don't want to cry, so they bite their fists, you know, like Sonny Corleone and The Godfather, which is a good movie. Yes. By the way. Yes, the slow fist bite that he does in the hall. That's how you know that you've lost a child if you're a tough mafia guy, is you will slowly bite your fist. Uh. Yes, and then. And then, um, Not to be confused with the palm bite. That's what Lenny and Squiggy do when a hot girl walks by. And then, and then Victoria gets really depressed, but we don't ever hear about that. We do see a couple scenes of Kelly Preston doing her usual acting. Um, uh, <laughs> on the plus side, the Battlefield Earth is no longer the worst thing in his filmography. You know, we really should put those two side by side. I'm not watching Battlefield Earth, John. You don't want to do an L. John Hubbard episode? No, I, I don't. I'm putting a line in the sand. All right, this might be where we where we break up. But yes, the, the whole the family ties, the, the fact that you mentioned that shot in the, in the hospital where he's in the hallway and he's talking to the doctor in the women are in the front of the shot but they're, they're out of blurred. focus I mean, i'm telling you john you don't you've got three women in a shot in a mob movie they're, they're gonna hijack the movie and start talking about some women stuff yeah if you're not careful. I mean, you've got to keep them out of focus and whatever you do don't mic them i don't want them mic'd i just want them in the scene this is for guys yeah this is for guys and for women who love to watch guys be guys because this is about guys you got to be a man yeah yeah we're not- we gotta be a man, John. We gotta step up and watch this movie. <laughs> so we loved it, in other words. <laughs> That's kind of what we're saying. It's basically uh, one hour and 45 minutes of what my friend Buddy calls the spaghetti face. Spaghetti face, yes. <laughs> Which is like her, her premises that like the only 
ethnic stereotype is still okay to do is the Italian, hey, yeah. forget about it. That's all this movie is. This isn't the most stereotypical you've seen a bunch of Italian guys, you know, standing around planning people's murders and stuff, but it doesn't do anything to, to subvert that impression no, that you have. No, it really does not. And right down to the fact that the attitudes about women, this kind of macho attitude, like it's, I, don't, I still don't know if there's a moment in the film that I still don't know if it's supposed to be charming or not. Uh, uh, John Gotti is talking to his wife, Victoria, about what her life could be if she was with someone else. And she said, Yeah, I'd be living in Flatbush, married to a dentist. What are you talking about? You, you, get, you get a bad tooth, I'll be happy to knock it right out of your mouth. <laughs> There's my smile. There's my girl. And she's like, oh, you. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, though, haven't we all said that at some point? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This movie, despite being shot in Cincinnati, is so New York that at one point they actually um, list the five boroughs. They do. And you know, what, you know what happens when you add all the five boroughs together? What? You get a fist. That's right. <laughs> I have no doubt the other families will back you, but only if you have the support of all five boroughs. Queens, Brooklyn... Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx. Huh? And that's a fist. John Gotti is pondering taking on uh, Paul Castellano. And it's Neil, I believe, who Stacey Keach's character, who's advising him. And they go through, like, describe in detail the whole rundown of all the families and who's going to support him and who wouldn't. Let's just throw in a scene of two people whispering furtively about something. And God forbid you don't catch every detail and every name because you won't know what's happening in a later scene because of it. It is, for, for such a dumb movie, it is shockingly hard to follow. <laughs> they do the same thing in The Godfather. You know, where Don Corleone has his meaning. And they cut to every member of the, and they're like, and this is Don, you know, yeah. Barzini of Brooklyn, and mm -hmm. he does this, and this is, and it's done in a way where they're explaining to you who everyone is without giving, making it sound like an exposition so you know why everything has weight, mm -hmm. which is why the wedding scene of The Godfather exists. Well, don't you think that is also an exposition scene that occurs very close to the beginning of the film when you are getting your footing? Not in the middle of the film, spread out over a montage of other that's scenes. The, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's no, like, no, that's why, that's why all the Godfather films begin with the party. Mm -hmm. like, God, here, here are your players. Like Godfather 1, the wedding. Godfather 2, first communion. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. here are your players. These are why these guys are important. We're explaining who they are without telling you who they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So by the time stuff happens, you're like, oh, I know who that guy is. And, you know, this is Kevin Connolly. <laughs> I mean, um, I just, I felt, I kind of felt bad for everyone involved. Yeah, I kind of did too. At different points, I thought, like, is this what it takes? Because there's actors that are trying, and there's moments that maybe there's a little spark of, of human interaction, but it just the whole thing is so unnecessary. We've seen the mob stories told ad infinitum. We've seen this whole depiction of machismo and being a man and all that stuff. They didn't add anything to it. And in the end, the movie really seemed like it was ultimately trying to be a very pro gaudy portrait, oh, so much so that the feds, and I'm not saying we don't have our problems with the cops and the problems with the government and the hypocrisy of the way they deal with organized crime, perhaps, but in this movie, it is flat out presented as though the feds are just these evil bad guys and that what John Gotti was doing was actually trying to help the community or help the neighborhood. Everybody here knows that he was a great man. Look, he might have been in jail, but you know something? Nobody's the same. 
he didn't go around killing civilians or, you know, regular people, normal people off the street or anything like that. He more or less killed his own kind. And the movie doesn't do anything to he offer did, a counterpoint to he that. He did kill a man outside of a steakhouse. Yes. With, like, lots of civilian choppers around. You went to prison, you know, the crime rates started going up. The street punks were taking over. It was a lot cleaner neighborhood when, when Mr. Gotti was around. John Gotti had to keep his family surviving. Even if he doesn't harm any civilians or doesn't risk it, we're still talking about a criminal. And so it's weird that this movie it seems to unironically be trying to lionize him. Yeah, and, you know, he shouldn't have gone into life. Well, do you know what the real reason for that is? Um, I think is that this film was made kind of with the blessing of John Gotti Jr. Uh, it's, I think it's primarily based on his book that he wrote. Well, didn't they have a reality show for a so while? So it's done with his blessing and based on his view of his dad. And so that rosy view, it's the official story of the Gotti family. It's somebody who was trying to burnish John Gotti's reputation. But, like, maybe here's my theory. Maybe he just wasn't that interesting to begin with. Oh, I don't think there's much there there with any of these guys, any of these mob guys. Like, maybe that's why we need the Godfathers and the Good... to, like, punch up, punch it up a little bit. We also need the Godfellas and the Goodfathers. <laughs> we need to get them all involved. Uh, sorry, guys. We're a little bit rattled because this, this, <laughs> this movie... We're not... We're not being... We're not being jerks about this. You know, that, you know that point late in the movie where he's talking to the nurse or the doctor in prison... And she's saying, why don't you just let it go? And he says, every day that I'm alive is a fuck you to the government. Every minute this movie keeps going is a fuck you <laughs> and, to me and John Nagel. <laughs> and by the way, after he dies, there was 10 minutes left. There's still more movie. You think at least the sweet release of death is, is going to set us free. So many montages of stock footage, because, you know, we never have real footage. They're loading John Gotti Sr.'s coffin. Solid gold, by the way. Mm -hmm. into the hearse. Yeah. And John turns to me and is like, how the hell is there 10 more men? <laughs> like, it's got to be over soon. But what's crazy is that then we do get cutting back to that shot of him standing in front of the Brooklyn Bridge from the beginning. And he's and like, you won't see another one of me for 500 years. I think he says 5,000 years. Oh, he's wow. He's really shooting for the, for the... Shooting for the moon. Yeah. But what's funny about that is that we last saw that shot of him standing in front of the skyline at the very beginning of this movie, and it lasted for about 30 seconds tops. Yep. So coming back to it at the end, you feel like, oh, we're, we're putting a button on this movie with this, this wraparound. But it didn't feel like a wraparound. It felt like a random shot at the beginning and a random shot at the end that really made me think, when it started, did we accidentally watch some kind of made-for-DVD preview of the movie. And by the way, guys, this this DVD, it's literally the movie. Yeah. That's it. And there's not even, there's no previews. It's just one big picture of John Travolta giving that one look he gives the whole movie, which is basically constipation face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's constipated the whole time. Yeah. And he's a good actor, so he's doing that like, yeah, I'm worried and I'm intense, and that's that's this guy. That's this performance. And he can still act like he was great in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Mm -hmm. So he can still do this. I just feel like there's this desire. I think actors have weaknesses for certain kind of content, and I think there's something that actors... I think actors love this kind of part. They love this kind of... They've seen The Godfathers and The Goodfellas, and even the... I don't know, the Donnie Brascos and whatever else. Yeah. Like, they've seen all that. And don't you think that an actor like John Travolta is saying to himself, I've got my 
my mafioso performance in me. Usually, with with movies about the life, you see why people would want to join the life. Mm-hmm. You look the oh, top half of Goodfellas. You totally get why people want to get into the life. The easy money, the constant consumerism, all that stuff, the big house, all that. There's none of that here. There's no spoils. You know what I mean? These mm-hmm. are just guys that just kill and they don't really get any money and they don't really specify what business they're in. So, like, why do we care? There are no details filling in the, the crime that they're committing and what they're doing how that's working for them, what their goal really is, what yeah. life would look like if a different guy was in charge, what what life looks like with this guy in charge. There's really no context I mean, for any of that stuff. He lives in a pretty average house. It seems. You know, it's not like a Scarface. He's not really getting anything. And it almost seems like at the end of the movie, you're supposed to believe if everybody had just done what John Gotti said, it would have been okay. At no point does the movie challenge what he's doing or why he's doing it. And like, we're supposed to get, okay, he loved Angelo, but I had, you had to explain to me like five times why Angelo was important. Yes, Angelo, I actually thought this was, I'm glad you mentioned that, because this is another egregious point, is that Angelo, who is played by Pruitt Taylor Vince, was going to be played by Joe Pesci. When they cast Joe Pesci, what they thought this movie was, you can see how that Angelo role yeah. would have been a good Joe Pesci role. Because you're in the end, you meant to feel a little sorry for him because he's, he kind of gets ostracized. There's a, there's a scene that in, in a better movie could have been emotionally devastating where well, he gets told he's been put on the shelf by John Gotti, which I, means you made a mistake. We're not going to kill you, but we're cutting you loose. And he leaves, and all these guys who said hey to him on the way in are now looking down and pretending he doesn't exist. Again. That scene could have been powerful. It's basically the Diet Coke version of Goodfellas. Yeah. Where Pauly gives Henry... Yeah. For 3300 bucks and says, and now I'm going to turn my back to you. Yeah, this is it. And then, you know, Henry says, 3300 bucks for a lifetime. Yep. And that's, you know, you get the weight of that. But so Angela, who has supposedly been sort of a, a third lead or second lead maybe yeah. in this story, he leaves after that scene. And then a couple scenes later, there's just a scene of John Gotti standing at his grave and he theorizes that Angelo died of a broken heart off camera. Which, I, I don't know what you're talking I thought that was clever. I've never heard anyone say that before. I don't think anyone's ever said that someone has died writing. of a broken heart in a movie before. What great writing. But it just was so cursory. You feel like that was a low-budget, low-impact way to get out of this character arc that wasn't really an arc, that wasn't really a character, is just to mention that he died. Yeah, I know I hurt you, but you fucked up. And I had to do what was best for the family. Frankly, I think he died of a broken heart. So that's one more character that maybe I had an ounce of investment in what was going to happen to him. It's like, oh no, he left the story, and oh, by the way, he died. Oh, by the way, we killed these guys. Oh, by the way, this is happening. Oh, by the way, the the son is now married with two adult children, and he still looks like he's 19. Well, the first scenes in the movie, when we cut to John Jr. and his dad in jail having a talk together, where... John Sr. says they put part of his tent into his jaw. They've offered John Jr. a plea deal. Mm -hmm. And John Sr. flips out because you guys stand like a man, 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 stand like a man, stand like a man. Yeah. And 
John Senior, John Junior says rather, look, I want to be there for my kids. I just want closure from this life, is what he says. Yeah, if I take if I take this plea deal, yeah, I'll be getting home when they're teenagers. Okay, so when he said that, I'm thinking, okay, this kid, this guy's like 28, 30. His kids must be like. A baby and four. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so. Uh, an hour and 15 minutes in, my helicopters are outside their house. And the guy goes, and John Tree goes, oh, fuck! Like mafia guys do. Yeah. And his daughters, who are never named, are like 10 and 11. You fucking kidding me. What the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? What do you think's going on? Jesus. Kids, come to daddy. Come here. You need to be gone for a little while. I ain't going to worry about nothing. He's got a child bride of 16. He looks 19 even though he's supposed to be 40-something. And he's got kids that just appeared out of the woodwork. Those kids are clearly tweens. The only reason why I would say you need to see Gotti at this point, is if you want to fully understand this conversation that we've just had. And that's not a good enough reason. <laughs> well, one thing it did do well was show off how tiny jail cells are. Yeah. Honestly, if there's anything that hit me <laughs> that I got like a visceral <laughs> moment from was that shot from above yeah. of his prison cell. So it would be a real step down to be stuck in that room. That may have been the most that emotional connection I felt with the whole movie was just that one shot. Okay, but then there's this weird scene where like a guy might be shot in the dick. Right. <laughs> Unclear. Just give me a name. Tell me who it was. No? Okay. I would say that if you have a scene in a movie where a guy is shot in the dick, it should be clear that that's what happened. We watched it twice, yes, guys. Yes, we did. Okay? Because I turned to John and said, was he shot in the dick? I mean, for one thing, if there's a scene where someone gets shot in the dick, I'm watching that twice. <laughs> yeah. We watched two scenes twice <laughs> in this movie. One was the possible dick shot scene. Yeah, we, we had to see if that guy was shot <laughs> and, in the dick. And the other one was the uh, tooth line. Yes. Which was like the best line of dialogue in the whole movie. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, I actually I feel... I feel pretty good. I'm glad we talked this I feel out. like we cleared the air. This is kind of like a time where a couple needs to stay together. And even if it's going to be a fight, we've got to talk this through until the sun comes up and then see what's left of our relationship. Look, the first fight is a major part of every relationship mm -hmm. and we need to get through it. I think I actually think we've weathered this. Good. I'm glad. Because John Travolta... Aw. Why are you fighting this so hard? If you beat this, they're just going to send you back to solitary. Every day I'm alive. It's a fuck you to the government. You understand? I have watched both Godfathers back to back in the theater before. Mm -hmm. So that's six hours. So I went in at noon. I left at 6.30. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel that way. Yeah. You know? Right. I was like, oh, sweet. That was awesome. This was an hour and 40 minutes. And I'm a guy who's a big fan of saying, oh, 90 minutes is a perfect window. Yeah. Guys, 
I felt every one of those. We aged more in the 90 minutes it took to watch this movie than John Gotti Jr. did on screen we in did. the movie. He had like the portrait of Dorian Gray. Uh, With a douchey haircut. Eating a, eating a meatball sandwich. <laughs> you know. And by the way, where was the food porn? You mean it's an Italian film? Where's the food porn? Where's the food porn? There was that one scene of the uh, gaudy women making the meal that poor Frankie never lived to come home for. But isn't that like 90% of like Italian mobster films? It's supposed to be at least... My understanding is in a mob movie, 30 minutes of it have to be stirring sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in The Godfather, Clemenza literally tells me how to make sauce. After watching Goodfellas, I still, every time I cut garlic... I want to get those little razor thin uh-huh. uh, garlic slices out he of it. He still made a very good sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I just, there's one line that keeps ricocheting around my brain, and I guess it applies to podcast uh, conversations too. But there's a part in the movie where John Gotti says, If conversations had calories, I'd be the fattest fucker in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forget. That was good. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of full right now. He also, this is the same wit that gave us the line If I robbed a church and the steeple was sticking out of my ass, I'd deny it. I feel full right now. I feel full of conversation. If conversation had calories, John, I feel like we just had a really good meal. We, we did, and we, we got over this, and our friendship lives to see another day. Yes, you'll have to wait, keep an eye on the feed to see if we actually do a future episode of Oh, It's John. But for now, the union feels strong. So yep. I'm not walking out of here with any hard feelings towards you, John. N- neither am I, John. We're still, <laughs> we're still buds. All right. Um, well, where can folks find you online in the meantime? Uh, medium.com at jnagle4 and uh, my sister yelled at me, so I'm now finally on Instagram, uh, jnagle1985. jnagle1985. Well, I'm on Instagram at Gianni W. That's a very Italian name, very appropriate. Hey. G-I-A-N-N-I-D-U-B-Y-A. That's also my Twitter handle. I think that's a show. All right, dude. See you later. Thank you, John. Listen to me. And listen to me good. You're never gonna see another guy like me if you live to be 5,000. For the law, for the fans, for cops, pop, pop, get to your favorite spot. Well dressed in a mitten, but dangerous. Go get us, hustlers, gangsters, everything organized. And if they hit us, surprise. <laughs> One to the heart and two to the brain. Looks like he lost his man. Let's ride. There's rules and codes. You don't break them for no one. Unless you're a fool at that.